Welcome to the next episode of the Upside Down World podcast. I am your host, Ricky Carlson, and thank you so much for spending your valuable time probably driving listening to me here today. Uh, whether you're driving or you know you actually are setting time aside to listen, I thank you so much for listening to the podcast wherever you are. Um, and I just ask that you would uh, like the podcast, share your comments, and uh, if you need direct communication, if you have any advice for the podcast, I will take it into consideration, but it is my podcast. And so if you do decide to rate us, please give us a five-star review. And like I like I always say, if you don't think we're worth five stars yet, just wait until we're worth five stars and then review us. So uh, with that being said, I am here with Pastor Guy Beaumont out of Harvest Baptist Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's been in the ministry now for 22 years, and uh, he's an encouragement to me. It's funny how we came across because um, we've never actually met in person, but his testimony speaks for itself. And so I wanted to give him an opportunity to uh, maybe give us a little bit of an insight to his ministry and uh, his super busy schedule. He could tell us about that here in just a second. Mr. Beaumont, I will let you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more. I already kind of opened you up a little bit, but you can go ahead. Sure. So Guy Beaumont, pastor of the Harvest Baptist Church, and technically we're in Coopersburg now, Allentown. We were in Allentown okay. for uh, 19 years, um, and we've been in Coopersburg for the last four. Coopersburg, no one's ever heard of it. It's like 10 minutes south of Allentown. So I typically say Allentown, but to be uh, to be technically accurate, uh, we are in Coopersburg now. Um, yeah, just celebrated 22 years back in April. Been a full-time ministry now for 25 years. I was a youth pastor for three and a half years prior to that. Uh, so, yeah, married this November will be 25 years and six children, four boys, two girls. My boys are 23, 20 uh soon to be 18 actually in two weeks my son will be 18 and then i have a son who's 10 and then my girls are 16 and a half and eight and a half so wow yeah sir that's that's awesome i know uh you have uh quite like i like i was saying before you have quite the testimony and your church up there is really nice i actually i was born in scranton and so i'm sort of familiar with eastern pennsylvania so um but yeah that's awesome so it's good to it's good to have you on thanks for introducing yourself and uh anytime throughout the podcast that you are listening i encourage you to go look up guy beaumont on facebook and just kind of follow along he's uh, every once in a while i'll just see one of his posts and it makes you think you know it'll just make you kind of go in there and so i encourage you to do that um if you could i i just want to kind of hear a little bit about your your testimony because obviously you are where you are now but we don't start out that way right so when when was the point that you accepted christ as your savior so i was 11 years old uh my mom had been married and divorced twice uh my older brother uh his dad was abusive and badly into drugs and she divorced him and married my dad who uh they got divorced and he had cancer he died when i was 13 um she's been married to my stepfather now since i was about seven or eight years old um 
So uh, he's he's the one who's pretty much raised me. I call him pop. I call him my father. I just call my dad, dad. Um, but my mom decided it was time to start going to church and get her life turned around. She had, you know, been going in the wrong direction for a number of years. And uh, so when I was about 10 years old, uh, she made a phone call to a Baptist church. That's what my grandmother, her mother had gone to her whole life. It's where she got saved. When my mom was 18, she got saved. And so we started going to church. And everybody got saved except for me. I'm the only one who put it off. I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And uh, I, I share the story often. Uh, I know it's not doctrinally accurate, but as an 11 year old unsaved boy, I didn't know much about doctrine. Uh, but I would pray every night, Lord, please don't come back because if you do, I'm going to hell. Um, and I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. I just kept putting it off. And then finally, uh, it was Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, April 22nd, 1984, that I uh, knew. I mean, I was just under so much conviction. I knew that morning, even during Sunday school, I knew I was going to walk the aisle and trust the Lord that morning and get it all settled and squared away. And so that's what I did. That morning service, I walked the aisle, told my preacher who thought I was saved already. Everybody thought I was saved already, um, but I knew that I wasn't. Uh, and so there that morning, I trusted the Lord as my savior and got baptized a couple of months later. Um, that was fourth grade, sixth grade. We started, my parents got really, well, our family got really involved in church. My mom started sending us to a Christian school. Uh, I say Christian school, a church school, an independent Baptist school. And, uh, so from sixth grade all the way up until I graduated, I was in Christian school. I uh, dedicated my life to the Lord when I was 13, just so much conviction about, just my sin, my choices, my heart, where I was. I knew if I was saved, I shouldn't be acting that way. And so at 13, gave my, gave, I dedicated my life to the Lord. And then at 16, I was called to preach. Um, and even asked a ton of preachers questions on, what does it mean to be called to preach? Explain that to me. Um, and so got a bunch of different answers. And I was going to actually, I was very interested in studying law. I was going to go work for the CLA uh, and had met with some Christian lawyers and that was the path I was going on but at the same time I was really struggling with I, don't, I really want to preach I didn't know how where why pastor youth pastor I had no idea I just knew I wanted to be in the ministry uh uh full-time whether it was a missionary didn't matter and so at 16 um it was at a winter retreat for teenagers and I remember telling the Lord <laughs> I said Lord I'm going forward with this. And if you're not being serious and you need to stop it from happening, because <laughs> once I get going, like a lot of times it's just my face is set and, you know, I can't always tell if I shouldn't or shouldn't cause I'm just going for, for it. And so I told the Lord, you better stop me if this isn't happening. And so here we are just turned 50 years old back in April and we're still plugging away. Well, there you go. So you said, I remember the first thing you said there kind of stands out to me. The, that you were going to church for a bit and then it took you a while to get saved and you said you got saved in fourth grade how long was it until you ended up making you were going to church but you still weren't saved i probably say four to six months okay so not a not like years just a yeah. couple months that yeah. you were doing that do you think that that's something that um because i've thought about that as well with with younger kids or just people who've grown up in church you know i've heard a couple testimonies of people who are in church all the way through adulthood and then finally they they finally accept the lord in adulthood um but before that there's something holding them back what do you 
what do you think it is in a lot of cases, maybe not necessarily just your case, but what do you think it is in a lot of cases that that kind of thing would come about? I would say probably three things. One would just be fear. You know, I'm an 11 year old boy and just the fear of what exactly am I doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, Fear of going to hell that was there. And so I, you know, it was just the fear of the unknown. Um, I would probably say sin would be the other one. Uh, Again, that wasn't, that wasn't my, I'm I'm not saying I didn't sin, but my struggle for getting saved was not my sin, but for some Mm -hmm. it is, you know, they, they're enjoying their sin too much and, you know, they don't want to deal with it. Um, And thirdly, it would just be, uh, there's a bumblebee flying by me. Uh, Thirdly, it would just be, um, I, I'm very much introverted. I know you'd never think that for my social media. and my, my, <laughs> I Literally, I'm extremely introverted. And meeting new people and getting up at the age of 11, getting up in front of people um, was absolutely terrifying to me. I mean, I, I mean, I can even remember the morning that I got saved. I mean, I was hanging on to that pew so tight, I probably pulled a chunk of the wood off. I mean, I, and uh, just, just afraid to, I don't want people looking at me. Um, so, you know, at that age, I had a really bad stuttering problem. I was getting speech therapy once a week, twice a week. Uh, and so there was just a lot of that, that just played into the whole, you know, I don't want to get saved type of a thing. Even, Even after I got saved, like I remember my preacher, he was so excited. I mean, we were over his house that afternoon. He gave me the biggest hug and was like so excited. And I was so embarrassed. I was, I was, can we not talk, can we not talk about it? Stop, please. Let's just eat food. You know, not because I was ashamed to be saved, but it was just, I didn't like the, the everyone looking at me. And hmm. so at that age, I was very, very self-conscious. Sure. So when you, you, you dedicated your, your life to Christ at 13, it sounds like. Yes, sir. And and then a couple of years later, you dedicate your life to preach. And so how was it? How did you get into the ministry? Did, was it a, uh, you know, were you just trained in a church? Did you go to Bible college or kind of where, where did you go with that? So growing up in the church that we went to, um, I was involved in anything and everything that I could be. Our family was that family that 11 at night, the pastor could call and we're going to be at the church pushing vacuums, washing windows. And we loved it. Like, I mean, it was never, I don't remember ever being upset about, I mean, it it was for the Lord. So that's just the way that our family was. We loved it. And uh, when I turned 16, you know, the pressure was to get a job, but I knew if I got a job, I wasn't going to be able to do, I was, I was going to be at church, but I wasn't going to be able to do all the church functions. And that really bothered me. And so my pastor actually hired me on at the church, uh, you know, and paid me money to, you know, we had the Christian school. So I was there early. I was there late. I was there whenever he needed me there. Um, helping out whatever way that I could. Uh, when I was 16, when I was called to preach, I was a junior and I just wanted to do ministry. I started a bus route. Uh, so I had a bus route that brought, I don't know, 30 to 50 kids every Sunday. It was my bus route. I made all the visits. I just had a family in the church that drove the bus. Um, I preached in the nursing home several times a year. We had a nursing home ministry, so I would preach there. Um, I taught my own Sunday school class. I had a children's Sunday school class that I taught. Uh, I started teen soul winning in the church. I went to the pastor. One of the men in the church taught us 
uh, teenagers how to win souls. And so I wanted to start teen soul winning. And so we had, again, we had a man in the church drive the van and, you know, take a group of us teenagers out soul winning every week. So um, a lot of the training as far as, you know, that kind of stuff was right there, 16, 17. Uh, then I went off to Hiles Anderson College uh, and was there 91 to 96, uh, working in the bus ministry um, and just, just, just jumped right in. I wanted to be in the biggest, the best, the hardest, you know, whatever it takes. That's what I want. I want to learn how to do ministry. And so I uh, was able to be a part of some great, great days out there. Um, and then in 97, I became a youth pastor. I came back home, became a youth pastor here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Took a teen group with three teenagers. And in three years, we were running about 100. Um, and they were, I'd say, 90% of them. Uh, were all teenagers that I had personally reached or were friends of teenagers that I had reached and they brought them back to church and I'd win them to the Lord. Um, we started a Christian school there, uh, had sports teams. So, I mean, that I was plugged in. I got married right in the middle of that. I, I got married in 98. So my first year and a half of youth pastor, I was single. Second year and a half, I was married. Um, and then uh, that was 97 to 99. And then we started our church in 2000. Uh, my oldest son was just seven months old. Um, didn't go out and report, didn't ask people for money. I went out and got a full-time job and just started poking doors and we just started building a church. And within two years, I was full-time and, uh, yeah, had a lot of, I could take another hour and a half to tell you all the crazy building experiences. We're in our sixth or seventh building. Now we've been renting for 22 years. We've had buildings given to us only to fall through. We have an oh, organization wow. promise us money only to change their mind. I mean, I, I just, the stories are crazy. Nonetheless, we are where we are now. We've been there for, like I said, going on five years. Uh, August, I think, would be five years. And um, we've always rented from churches. We rented from two UCC churches. We rented from a Nazarene church. We rented from a Church of Christ. I think there was another one in there, too. Um, are Nazarene churches really more popular up there? Because I don't really see them much down in North Carolina. They are, yeah, they're not real popular south. They're popular in the northeast and in the Midwest. There's okay. a lot of churches, and they're 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 basically Wesleyan churches. I mean, they're Arminian in their doctrine. They believe you can lose your salvation. Mm. Um, you know, so that's pretty much the main. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of cool. all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've been. So you went to. So you went to Bible college for a bit and then really though, I would you say that that was more, what would you say was more influential to your training? Would you say it was the Bible college or that work you were putting in beforehand at the church uh, that kind of taught you how to, you know, being available, you know, go like, what is it? Where do you think, I mean, I'm sure you learn a lot from both, but um maybe could you go into that a little bit where did you what did you take away from both of those oh that that's a great question and that is a obvious if you've just been talking to people that's a source of contention anymore bible college the need for bible college church training all that kind of stuff um and my answer would be that it 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 varies per individual some people need to get away from mom and dad and grow up a little bit and go to college and learn to be disciplined and take care of responsibilities, wash your own laundry, you know, all that kind of stuff. Get up on time, clean your, I mean, I was in college was extremely, extremely strict to where 
white glove inspections. And if your bed wasn't made right or a shoe was out, you got demerits. I mean, your haircuts, <laughs> being a class on time, <laughs> uh, all that. So for me, that was great because it helped me to get disciplined in a lot of areas. The ministry aspect of Hiles Anderson College was the greatest help for me. Again, it was more or less what I was doing already, but I had a lot more opportunity uh, and uh, influence to do it at Hiles, I suppose. You know, your local church, my local church, I you only have so much money and so much space and all that kind of stuff at a Hiles. Like, I mean, I, you know, we had a big day of 900 one Sunday on a bus route. I had a bus route out in Aurora, Illinois, which is an hour away. And I had 232 uh, on buses wow. and, you know, you're paying for buses and, but, but you got teachers already there. So the structure's there. Mm -hmm. I had Dr. Evans, who at that point was the president of Hiles. I had him come preach for me when I started my church. My church was two years old. Uh, it was 2002. Um, I flew out Dr. Evans and his wife. And I was so nervous. I mean, I was so scared. I was so, you know, this is one of my mentors at Bible College. And I taught Sunday school that morning. He preached the morning and the evening, but I taught Sunday school because he asked me to. And I was not comfortable teaching back then. I'd rather just get up and scream and yell and rip on everyone. I was not, I was not, I'm just being honest with you. I was not comfortable teaching because I just felt boring. And so on, on the way to the restaurant, I said to Dr. Evans, I said, is there anything, any pointers you can give me? I'm sure I bored you to death up there teaching. <laughs> and Dr. Evans said to me, he said, I'm not going to be that normal person. He said, you, you, if you're teaching the Bible, you're never boring. He mm. said, I'm a word of God. I enjoyed what you taught. I got a lot out of it. Um, and so then he turned around and asked me, <clears throat> he said, you spent five years at Hiles. What what do you credit uh, to where you are as a pastor? Do you credit the classroom or do you credit the student life or do you credit the ministry? I say 90% of what I'm doing now, 95%, I learned from ministry. I got some good stuff out of the actual classes, but honestly, you know, and I've said this now for many years, you want to learn what your doctrine is? Go soul winning. <clears throat> Amen. When, somebody, when somebody challenges you on what you believe in, and you have to start searching the scripture, that's when it that's when it gets to the nitty gritty. Not sitting in a class. I think that um, that's a great idea. One, when you think of even in scripture, there is no. Bible college. Paul didn't go around starting Bible colleges, right? He went around starting churches and the churches train up. Uh, to some degree, there is a there is a time and a place for going to Bible college, but I love that point that he just made. So I appreciate that very much. Um, now, as far as something else that I guess I wanted to touch on in a different area of Christian education, would be something a little earlier. I know when we, when we spoke, you kind of mentioned you you homeschool, and I was just curious if that's a conviction or if that's just like the only thing around uh, that you have available, or you know what is the reason why you decided to do Christian a homeschool instead of a a Christian school or a public school? Great question. That's an easy answer. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> 
time she was in the fifth grade has always wanted to homeschool. My wife okay. saved she actually pulled out a report that she wrote in the fifth grade where her goal was to marry a pastor, have 12 children, and homeschool them all. So we had six kids, but we nailed the other two. She's just, uh, she loves homeschooling. It's just always been a thing of hers. So, hey, I mean, that's that's an easy one for me, knowing that the wife's going to stay home and <clears throat> um, educate the kids. And she has, she graduated with honors from Kutztown University. The public university about half hour away in uh, elementary education. Um, she, she's she's extremely intelligent. I mean, she's just she took nuclear medicine for fun. So you know, you know, she's <laughs> off the charts, weird and smart at the same time. Uh, she, yeah, so she's pretty much done the majority of it. I mean, I'm my main thing is being the disciplinarian, um, but she organizes it all and. It's not just sitting down and doing school. It's the kids are really involved in the community and projects and co-ops and science stuff and sports. Like I said, my son just got finished playing football. All that goes on there. <clears throat> they go on trips. So it's very, it's a very well-rounded and balanced education. Um, you know, we frown upon the typical homeschool family where they're socially awkward uh, and don't really get much work done, <clears throat> you know, for us. Um, we want, we want all, we want all that in their lives. And so if you've ever met my kids to follow them, um, you know, my older boys are online. Um, you know, my older, my oldest son has a job selling insurance, making good money, looking to get married, buy a house involved in the church. My second son works for me. <clears throat> I have a moving company. And so he works for me as well. He, he works at Wawa involved in ministry uh, my third son, who's going to be 18, he's got a black belt in martial arts. He does military. He's involved in what's called Sea Cadets. He wants to join the military. He's taken uh, Vietnamese, no, Korean. He's learned how to speak Korean. So <clears throat> they all have their little niche and they do things and excel at it and do really well. And, you know, we support them in it. Yeah. Oh, he plays cello, too. He plays the cello. He just was picked in some youth philharmonica to play cello for the for the city oh that's awesome so you have the you have the homeschool but they're involved in a lot of things and what i think is super and actually i don't even have this in my notes but i kind of want to touch on it because from your perspective i'm sure you'd have you'd have a good perspective on this um when when you have a busy lifestyle like you, like you all have, where you're just going, 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 there's a lot of stuff going on. How important and, and how do you make it a priority with your family to say, look, we're, we're not doing this, we're going to church, we're not doing this, we're going soul winning and making sure uh, that they understand this is the priority, because it sounds like they're still involved with ministry. So that was well trained in them trying to put child in the way you should go. So what do you think it takes to have someone uh, to, to be able to train your kids like that? Great question. So let me go back and finish the thought that you asked, and then let me answer that. Uh, so I'm for homeschooling. I'm also for Christian school. That's under the umbrella of a local New Testament church. I'm not for the public school system in any way. Now I have folks in my church, their kids are in the public school, and we pray, and, you know, you can still make it. I'm not saying you're going to be a failure, but you better be plugged into church. You better be walking with God. 
when I was a youth pastor and we had 100 teenagers, most of them went to one local high school and they literally ran the high school. I mean, nobody messed with our teenagers. We had Bible clubs there. The principal would come out to our church. Teachers would come out. Our kids were very outspoken, very vocal. We're not intimidated by anybody. Um, now, if there's just one or two, it makes it a little bit more difficult. But we literally had, you know, 50, 60 kids. So, <clears throat> but I'm not for public school in any way. I am for a Christian school. That's church run. Uh, if you just can't homeschool your kids for whatever reason, I'm not going to mm. break it, all that stuff. Then, you know, sure. get your good Christian school and, you know, make sure they're getting a good Christian education that you're involved in. Um, now to answer what you were just saying, it, it, it it's not difficult. You, you just, you just determine that that's how you're going to do it. Like, it's never a question. It was, it's never been a question. Are we doing this instead of going to church? That's just never a question. Um, we go to church period. There's no exception to the rule, uh, you know, outside of, you know, being sick. Yeah. <laughs> You just, we just went to church and again, I mean, very, very involved. I mean, even over the winter time, I coached my son's basketball team. My other son, my 20 year old coached a high school basketball team. My daughter was playing high school basketball. So you're talking three different schedules, three different places, three times a week. My wife worked a couple nights a week. You got church, you got soul winning, you got church functions, you know, you just, <clears throat> you just, you just make it happen. But see, I'm very, our family is very unorthodox. I mean, I talk to a lot of my preacher friends and they're like, you know, we we follow what you do and just get tired reading <laughs> around at. Um, but this is just how we like it. I mean, it's nothing for us to sit down at 10 o'clock at night and eat dinner, you know, or We're the same you know, way. Yeah. Or in the morning, not see anybody. And then, you know, see you all at six o'clock at night because everybody's just going in different directions. Mm -hmm. But it's when we do have that family time, um, you know, for instance my son's football game this morning our whole family was there mm -hmm. you know my older sons are there everybody's there my daughter you know everybody my my in-laws my wife's parents were there you know my mom's been out to the game so we're very you know my in-laws live eight minutes away my parents are members of my church and they're 30 minutes away my sister-in-law and her husband are five minutes away with their five children who are all really best friends with my so we have so much family here um that like you know thanksgiving there's like 40 of us and it's just i mean i think that really plays a big part in the strength of the family because all of my children's uncles grandparents aunts and cousins are all saved and all in baptist churches hmm. and so I don't have to worry about a wrong influence if I send them to my uncle or to their uncle's or aunt's house because it's just going to be reinforced what we teach at home. So that has just really helped strengthen the whole family all the way around. <clears throat> sure. So I I had a couple other questions, but I I do want to I do want to kind of um this is a this is an important one, something that I kind of wanted to touch on cuz I've seen like I said we we've never met in right. person. Right. But what I think is so interesting, and obviously social media can be used for negative. We see that happen all the time. But there is a positive, I believe, to social media in the in the fact that you can you can glean things from other people uh, via the internet that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise, and you can see churches in other parts of America doing what 
you're doing and doing similar, you know, and so I think that's awesome. And I've seen you touch on this a few times, just random little snippets that you put out here and there, little ideas or things that kind of just pop into your head. And I was just curious, you know, from, from your perspective and, and understanding scripture and the Bible talks about us being separated from the world. And that means having certain convictions and having certain standards. And so for you, when it comes to whether it be, I just kind of want to hear a little bit, and this can go in any direction you want it to go and go specific, can go broad, however way you, you want to go. But as far as standards go, where do you, what do you, what kind of places do you draw the line? And like, what is the purpose of standards? What are they supposed to do? Um, and maybe if you have a couple examples, that would be great too. Sure. So standards are personal convictions that separate me from the unsaved. Standards are personal conviction that protect me from going in a direction that I don't want to go in. Um, standards are a public testimony for what I believe and why I believe it. Standards are not to say, I'm better than you. I'm holier than you. In the Old Testament, to be scriptural here without trying to sound crude or crass, God commanded the Israelites to be circumcised. Mm -hmm. That's what indicated that they were different, that they belonged to him, but they didn't walk around with their coats open showing everybody. They were making a statement that we are willing to identify with God. And sure. we have careful as independent Baptists that, and there are some, and this is why this is where we get the false term of being called legalists. My standards don't make me holy. God makes me holy. It's the righteousness of Christ. Mm. Nothing about me that's holy, but I have standards because it helps me identify. It keeps me safe. It keeps me pure. It protects me. Uh, it helps my testimony. It makes me a better me. And it also reminds me that I'm weak. Uh, so, you know, um, standard, let's see. Uh, I don't, none of my wife or my daughters wear pants. Um, we have that standard. Why is I, that? What's that? Why is that? I guess you're going to uh, go into it, but. Well, I believe I can back it up with scripture. Uh, I okay. have, I've been doing that for over 20 plus years. You know, you always start with the foundational verse in Deuteronomy where it says, you don't put on that pertains to a woman, woman, that to a man. That's just the foundational verse. That's not my mm -hmm. go-to verse. That's just my, let me say this just to make the same, but there's always been an error in every culture when what a woman wore, what a man wore was different. I don't care the mm -hmm. culture. It's always been different to identify, you know? So to say, well, they wore robes in the Old Testament. Well, you know, they did, but obviously they wore them in such a way that they were able to be identified what a woman mm -hmm. wore. So every culture has that. Our culture, it's, it's been pants. Um, in the New Testament, it talks about how men are to pray, you know, everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath, without doubt. The very next verse says, in like, likewise, uh, or in like manner also, shall a woman wear that which is modest or put on modest apparel. I can't remember the exact verse. Um, but women are to dress the way, dress modestly the way men ought to pray. And they're dressed modestly everywhere. The word modest apparel is one Greek word. It means a long flowing garment that is let down. Um, again, do I fight with that with people? Not at all. Do I get up in my church? I probably taught on it three times in 22 years. Usually what happens is people get plugged into church <clears throat> and they want to get involved in a leadership position. And then we explain what's required of them if they're going to be a leader in the church. 
or they'll come to me or my wife and say, we notice you dress differently. Can we, can we ask why, you know, I keep my hair short. <clears throat> um, I think first Corinthians 11 is pretty clear on that. If I got mm-hmm. a braid, it's too long. Um, we don't drink and we don't curse and we don't listen to, you know, uh, I'm careful when I say contemporary music, I was having this conversation with someone recently. I, I, words mean something and so i try to be semantically accurate as best as i can and so i don't like saying bless god all ccm is wicked well the truth is every single song in the songbook was contemporary at one time Mm -hmm. so that means you can't sing anything ever because every song was contemporary at some point in time uh but the culture of ccm today is not anything that i support jars of clay or dc talk or you know lecrae or any of that nonsense um so uh, I, I draw a line on that. Um, so you know, what would you say about those, those not to cut you off, but so what, what about some of those musical groups today that we hear? We had one come uh, around here recently. Oh, we have that happen all the time. We have a theater downtown. Um, but what about uh, those CCM groups is makes it where you wouldn't want to listen to it, I should ask. If I look at you and immediately see that you resemble what the worldly musicians are trying to look like, that's an instant turnoff. Mm. If you got the long hair and the frosted tips and the feminine clothing and you're decked out and all the jewelry, again, I'm not saying all that's a sin. All I'm saying is that that's the direction that I'm not going in. Sure. Uh, I want to go towards masculinity, not towards femininity. And today's push even in our youth groups and our churches is a push towards femininity. Um, and a lot of the music culture has that. Uh, and so um, that, 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 that turns me off. If your music is just way too rocky, it, it, you know, if I can hear that or listen to something that's on the radio and outside of the words of Jesus, it sounds the same, you know, that's a huge turnoff. And if you don't ever mm. even mention Jesus, that's a turnoff, obviously. Um, sure. If your music's not doctrinally sound, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge turnoff. Um, and so it, for, for me, it's almost like a song by song, not so much group by group. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, there are some really bad groups that sing some really good songs. <laughs> and, you know, I don't personally don't have a problem if we can take that. You know, I, I, I had somebody sing a song not too long ago and then someone else was like, you know, that's a contemporary song. So I, I never even heard of it. I never heard of the group. I didn't know anything about it. It was just a really good song. Mm-hmm. And it was well. And, you know, so you start talking about music. You get into a really pretty serious gray area because, man, people draw so many lines. I have independent fundamental Baptist friends that are to the left of me that are more liberal than I am with music. I have many that are to the right of me that are way more conservative than I am. And I have some kind of where I am that I just kind of, am in the middle you know um i'm at the stage now where i grew up listening to southern gospel but honestly give me a solid family singing and i'll take that nine out of ten times you Mm. know just a good solid family that just goes church to church and goes witnessing and dresses right and just has a great testimony and loves the lord and is faithful and they're singing from the heart I'll take that. I mean, I, I can rattle off a bunch of those. Uh, I, I would take yeah. those ninety nine percent of the time. I just I love hearing them sing. I love I love hearing families sing. Yeah, amen. 
Amen. Um, I, I, you touch, you said something and then you kind of brought, you passed by it. And I just want to kind of go back to it real quick. Cause you said it and it's like, Ooh, this is a, this is a good point. And, and I, and you know, you said you feel like a lot of the churches and youth groups are training men to be more effeminate. Why do you, why do you say that? What about that for you? Well, a lot of the youth leaders today are very effeminate. Um, and, you know, one of the things they taught us in Bible college was to be copyable. And that's always, mm. that's always stuck with me. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I, I want to be copyable <laughs> in the good ways, not in the bad ways. Uh, usually when it's the bad ways that I see either in my children or in my church, I usually see a reflection of me. And that's a reminder that, you know, I need to work on some, some stuff. Um, but our cultures, our culture and our parents, our adults today. So you have so much of the world culture between uh, what they see on TV, Hollywood, athletes, music, just generally in that age group, there's such a push towards femininity that our young people copy that because they don't want to look weird. Mm -hmm. uh, and then unfortunately, a lot of our youth leaders, I mean, I go to some churches and I see these youth leaders and I'm like, good grief, you would not, you would not be teaching my young men when you carry in your merch and you know, you're where you, it's just feminine. It's just, it's just feminine. Um, they walk and how they talk and how they carry themselves. It's just, yes, yeah, it's, it's just too much for me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and our young people. Um, and it's just, it just, it just grates on me. I want, there needs to be a distinction in the way we dress, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we carry ourselves and what a man is and what a woman is. It's like that post I put on Facebook not too long ago. Had we listened to the preachers of yesteryear ripping on the unisex movement, we wouldn't be in the mess that we're in today. Mm -hmm. But I grew up in the 70s and 80s and listened to early 90s, listened to these preachers rip on everything. And people got mad about it. I remember I, I remember my pastor ripping on, there's going to come a day when it's going to be normal for men to walk around in dresses and paint their fingernails. And we laughed at it. Hello? Yeah. We're here. Um, yeah. And what scares me is where we're going to be 10 or 15 years from now, because the average sure. today will not preach on separation. They will just say, yes. oh, don't be like the world. Well, define that. What they does don't that want mean? Yeah. They don't want to define that. They don't want to explain that because then they'll lose church members. Mm -hmm. They'll lose money. Wow. So when you when you go back to 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 that thinking, or I guess let's um, I'll kind of I'll, I'll kind of switch switch gears a little bit here. So when when you say some 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 stuff like this, when when we have these discussions about whether it's separation or or even what we would consider more uh, do, uh, doctrinally it is, you know, X, Y, Z, this is how it is. This is how it's laid out in scripture more than just a standard or a personal conviction. How do you, do you think there are things that you can disagree with someone on and still keep fellowship with them that it's not, you know, I, I put out something a couple days ago as well. That was something along the lines of if you have salvation you have the right music, you have the right Bible. And, you know, these are the things, but beyond that, I can fellowship, even if I disagree. So 
I guess this is a, a two-part question. One, how do you how do you handle that? How do you handle those disagreements? And two, how far is too far that you would say, I I can't fellowship with that. I'm sorry. So again, I think some of that comes down to the individual, what their strengths are, what they can discern, how 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 close they are to that person, how well they know them. I mean, I was I was what I'd consider in fellowship and friends with a young man who I went to Bible college with, whose dad preached the circuit with Jack Hiles. We were buddies in college and he went off the deep end. He's been married three times. He's covered in tattoos now. He drinks alcohol. He smokes. He is a horrible leader. Yet the guy's a pastor of a church. Um, and even up until a few years ago, I would still be his friend and we could talk about life and family and our love for the Lord and that kind of stuff, but we really didn't agree on a lot of things. Uh, but that, that fellowship ended when he started attacking people who were friends of mine who hadn't changed. Um, and I just said, wait a second, wait a second, you know, look at you, like, but <laughs> you are living in an all glass house, my friend, you do not want to be throwing stones. Um, a lot of times when you just choose to live a separated life, they'll separate from you. You don't have to separate mm. from them. They're going to walk away from you. Mm. Number one or two, I, I, I don't, <clears throat> as long as you're not affecting me or my family, um, you know, I, 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 my, my philosophy has always been, I'm going to be friendly with everybody, but it doesn't mean I have to be friends with everybody. Sure. And, you know, there are guys who, you know, that I would just, you know, I'll, I'll throw a name out there just for the fun of it. Um, Josh Tice for idea day, uh, out there in Las Vegas. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with him. We're not going in the same direction. We don't have the same Bible philosophy, ministry philosophy. You know, we have a lot of different philosophies. He's solid on his family and, you know, salvation, but I guarantee you, if I met him in a restaurant, I'd have no issue sitting down and breaking bread with him, probably laughing my head off, having a good time, and I'll pay for his meal. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to back down from anything that I believe, even if it means calling him out. Uh, so, you know, some some discernment goes a long way. I think we have such a desire today to get along that we really don't take a stand anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, just try to blend in with everybody because we don't want to look like that weirdo that's being negative or that weirdo that's always sure. controversial. No, I'm just, I'm believing what I've always believed. I'm believing what you used to believe 20 years ago. I'm not the yeah. one who's, you yeah. know, and I'm mean spirited at all. I'm not being mean or crass or ugly. That's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the choice you made. I didn't make that choice. And sure. I'm going to protect, I'm going to protect my church and keep that kind of influence away. So, I mean, me sitting down and breaking bread with them or having a talk on a phone or meeting at a conference somewhere is one thing. Me having them in my church to preach and influence my people or my is a whole different ballgame. And that sure. will never. And I've had a lot of preachers in my pulpit over 22 years who at one time stood exactly where I stood um, and preached exactly what I preached, but don't do it anymore. You mm. know, and sure. they'll never. And for, again, for most of them, they're the ones that went a different direction and they have no desire to fellowship with me. And that's okay. I love them in the Lord. We're going to spend eternity together in heaven. Uh, so 
Amen. So I have one more question before we start closing out. I was trying to think of it before and I couldn't think of it. But this is my question. Could you, because I hadn't ever heard this term before, I can kind of discern from the post you made as to what it means. But when you say the unisex movement, what what was that? To have the men look like women and the women look like men, where there's a blending. Okay. Dress, whether it's the way you carry yourself, whether it's your hairstyle, even to the degree of makeup, um, accessories, uh, how you talk, how you interact, all of that. There's just a blending, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what you see today where now you have girls that act, talk, walk, look like boys and boys that walk, talk, act and look like girls. Um, or you think know. they are. <laughs> or think they are, yeah. <laughs> or think they are. So it's sad. Oh, and man. Again, I just, there's a lot of men that have feminine tendencies. And I don't necessarily think that's a wrong thing. Maybe they got a higher voice or whatever. Mm-hmm. But don't accentuate that. <laughs> sure. Try to, try to, you know, a, just because a guy sings tenor doesn't mean he has to be gay. You know, he, he, <laughs> yeah winner and love the lord and be married and have kids and be a masculine leader it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the but when you use that voice to start walking on your tiptoes and touching you know you just make it weird and <laughs> you know someone's got to come along and say look you're a man carry yourself like a man or you're a lady you know i i'm not i'm raising my girls to be strong and independent but i'm not raising them to be tomboys I'm not ready to be masculine. My wife is very independent. But before my wife and I got married, she went to school full time, worked as a secretary for a major industry here and threw two paper routes every morning, seven days a week by herself and taught Sunday school. And there's nothing about my wife that's feminine. I mean, that's masculine. <laughs> Nothing about her that's masculine. She's very feminine. She's just very strong and very intellectual and can, can, can hold her own. And I think that's, I think that's admirable. Sure. Amen. Amen. Thanks for clarifying that for me. And um, I just I'll I'll kind of ask you this is just kind of like a, a an exiting question, I guess, uh, or not a question, but a uh, just, you know, is there anything that you want us to take away from today's talk and kind of what you've brought up? Uh, any kind of last thoughts here leaving? Sure. Um, <clears throat> don't be concerned with peer pressure. I've never liked that term, even as a teenager, learn to stand on your own. If you got to stand at all, you know, I'd rather be a loner than a loser. And so don't worry about peer pressure, stand for God, believe you and God make up the majority and don't be intimidated because the direct, because of the direction of the crowd. Um, Walk with God. You know, if anything I've said, you know, it's, it's, it's reading my Bible, praying, as much as I possibly can, seasons of prayer, saturate yourself in the word of God. You know, I have a busy life. I pastor, I travel and preach a lot. I have six kids. We homeschool. We're very involved in the community, um, doing stuff with all the kids in the community, just working. My wife works a couple nights a week. Um, I own my own moving business that does anywhere from 70 to 90 jobs a month. Uh, and so we lead very, very, very busy lives, but none of that replaces my time with the word of God or my time in prayer. 
Um, and whatever I've got to do to make that happen, if I got to sacrifice something, then I sacrifice it. But God, your walk with God has to come first. I am where I am today because of God, not because of anything about me, not because of a stand or a personality or charisma. None of that matters. The mighty men have fallen. It's about, it's about walking with God and keeping God first and foremost. When you do that, you're going to be in a safe place, you know. Don't look around at the direction that people are going. Make sure, make sure, you know, you're walking with the Lord and he'll guide your steps. He promises to and protect your mind. He promises to do that too. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for hopping on here today. I know you're busy. I know there's a lot going on, so I appreciate it. And to all of you listening in today, I thank you for hopping on and listening into the podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of this. And that uh, we can, I, I can, I definitely have gotten something out of this conversation, just, you know, getting to talk with him. Really, this is the only the second time we've talked. And so it's been a good conversation. So I appreciate that. And if you guys can just leave a like, and if there's something in this podcast that kind of spoke to you that you feel like maybe you can get something out of, I just ask you just share it uh, maybe with a person or maybe just on, on your own social media and kind of let us know what about it stood out to you as we're still in the formulating process of everything. Um, if you have any concerns or ideas for me, feel free to shoot them over my way as well. But with that being said, uh, thank you guys for tuning in and I hope you guys have a great rest of uh, your day. Stay. I pray that the Lord would bless you and thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day.